0: Welcome to Life Happens with me, Emily Sexton-Brown. Joining me today is James Gwinnett, a previous contestant on last year's Channel 4 programme, SAS Who Dares Wins, an avid mental health advocate and founder of Reconnect Escapes. James bonded with the other recruits from the show who share a love of challenge, but also have their own inspiring mental health related stories to tell. So a group of them have decided to take on an endurance race to raise money for the Mental Health Foundation. They have entered the Ultra X, Sri Lanka, covering six marathons in five days through the island's hottest and humid rainforests. James, it's a pleasure to speak with you today. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) That is quite an epic thing to commit to.
1: It will be quite an epic thing to do. Um, (laughs) Firstly, Sri Lanka looks absolutely incredible. It was voted world's nicest island or something by a... Website, <laughs> some travel expert, um, but yes, the uh, it's not the the typical way of mm. of touring at such a such Ta- a
0: destination. Yes. I mean it's not. I uh, imagine it's going to be the most leisurely and um,
2: nice.
1: No, I mean as as it stands, we're, we're looking at hotel options for the, for the, the days after the rest. Mm-hmm. But as it stands, we're flying in on the Saturday. Um, one day to do a sort of acclimatise. They were then running 250 kilometres Monday through Friday and flying out the following Saturday. So, <laughs> um, no I'm one not can entirely see sure my facial we... expressions here. But, uh... <laughs> well, mine. I'm not entirely sure what we've committed to here. But, uh, wow. It'll be, it'll, it'll be incredible. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and As you say, it's all for
1: a, a phenomenal, mm-hmm. fantastic cause. Um, the there's, there's six of us that have, have signed up to do it from, mm-hmm. from the show have all been through mental health issues. We've been there, experienced um, what it is like mm-hmm. to face the likes of depression, addiction, a variety of different mm-hmm. um, wellness and well being related issues. Um, and we understand it, as it were. Yeah. Um, so, and in particular, the, the, the message that we want to get across is that it's okay to talk about yeah. mental health, it's okay to talk about your issues, especially for men. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a staggering statistic in 2000. And, Uh, Obviously, we've just come into 2020, so I'm not sure what the stats are for 2019, but in 2018, 5,000 men took their own lives. Um, And largely because of the the, the stigma around Mm -hmm. talking about your own own mental health issues and feeling that they couldn't be open and honest and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vulnerability is a a, a huge word. Uh, These these poor men couldn't, couldn't, Mm -hmm. uh, didn't feel like they could be vulnerable and resorted to the worst possible outcome Mm -hmm. Uh, and we want to change how men generally feel about to make men more comfortable with talking about
0: well i mean we couldn't support you anymore because that's also what we want to do um i think you know we we do a lot around um yeah men's mental health and especially sort of the toxic ma- ma- masculinity that, that exists within society, sadly, um, and I do think that there is a correlation between that and the amount, the fact that it is the leading male killer. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, no, thank you so so much for for coming on well, today, that's it, that's it. Um, and so today we will be kind of covering the the impact of I suppose physical and mental resilience, um, and as we've said that you are a contestant on SAS uh, uh, Who Dares. But I'm just going to take you back a little bit because I want everyone to hear your extraordinary story yeah, and sure. why you did the things you do. So, could you tell me a little bit about your rugby days and and what happened there in your so, lifestyle?
1: So, I played. I mean, I played rugby from a very young age, six years old or so, I think it was. And obviously, uh, the, the drinking <laughs> drinking culture isn't necessarily mm. a problem at that age, but
2: <laughs> it, it
1: filters in quite filters in quite quickly. I remember going on going on tour as a, as, a, as a teenager. Uh, the only, only real reason that we went was to go, to go out and have a drink afterwards. It wasn't actually hugely to do with the, the rugby,
2: mm-hmm. um, and that,
1: that, that you, you talk about that sort of toxic, toxicity of masculinity. Rugby isn't necessarily a, a toxic environment, but the, the masculinity comes to the comes to the fore. It's very much about who can be the biggest
2: mm-hmm.
1: lad. Um, it's, it's a horrible phrase, but uh, that sort of being being the biggest lad, being the being the one who can drink the most gives you a certain kudos. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. ten years ago, when I was you know, a stupid, stupid teenager, more than ten years ago, and a lot more than ten years ago now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, but that sort of bravado and and it was it was fun. It was you know, banter, and, and, and all my mates were doing it. Yeah. Um. And it trans that transition through university where you get the famous rugby initiation, uh, where you know horror stories are told of mm-hmm. about, about drinking. I
0: imagine people.
1: that would build your mental resilience. Yeah, you you, you <laughs> learn a few things in your first year at university. Um, <laughs> not to drink anyone's vomit is one, is one of them. Um, I've I managed to get away with that. I might I just well clarify that. Okay, but I believe you. Yeah, others sure, others sure, might sure. not. Um, but you hear horror stories of people being
2: hospitalised and yeah. you know,
1: alcohol poisoning and, and the rest of it, and it's all to to trump the previous yeah. year. It's very, there's a lot of peer pressure. Mm. You yeah, have sort of pint put into your hand. You know, drink that down. It. The man of the match after a game of rugby will be forced to, to down a pint mm-hmm. after the um, after the game. And so it um, sounds
0: relentless. It, it,
1: it is. Um, but uh, as I say, as a teenager, twenty twenty yeah. something year old, etc. It's just it's fun. Yeah. You don't necessarily think about it in a in a toxic way. The trouble is when it when it comes to uh, when, you're, when you're growing up, yeah. uh, as it was, and the rest of families and responsibilities yeah. and you're still doing it it's then it's then a problem
0: well dynamics change and it, yeah it suddenly becomes absolutely more conducive absolutely. Yeah.
1: now I mean I, I go back to my actual my playing days um, I and mean, we'll come on to possibly how I stopped playing yes, in a yes. second um, but I, I took it incredibly seriously I was playing from a semi-professional level yeah. and it was very much uh, into my fitness, I was, had a, uh, a weekly itinerary that revolved around playing a game of rugby on a Saturday, so mm-hmm. we cover on a Sunday and have a sort of certain fitness session on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday build-up to a game on a mm-hmm. Saturday, eating the right things, gym work, protein powders, etc, etc. Um, but then Saturday night was always right, you
2: know, we have gone out mm-hmm. and
1: played 80 minutes, of rigorous sport. We need to vent that and go out and drink as much as we possibly can. Um, and my my problem was always that I didn't have what I like to call an off switch.
2: Okay.
1: In that, after a certain number of drinks, four, five, whatever the number is, mm-hmm. um, the vast majority of people think oh, I'm a little mm. tipsy. I'll I'll just tone it down a bit. I didn't. I never thought that. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I've had. Six drinks. This is absolutely amazing. I'm gonna have five, six more. Yeah. Um, and that's when the problems start.
0: Which I do think is a feeling a lot of people could relate to. That absolutely. sort of that
1: tipping point of
0: oh lovely, yeah. feeling great, feeling wonderful, let's, keep let's going. Push through, yeah, yeah, exactly. Rather than yeah.
1: pull back. Yeah. And it just it, it got me into so many difficult, let's say, scenarios. Um, I was hospitalized on a number of occasions where I cracked my head open it's just an example. Yeah, yeah. Slept rough because I couldn't find my way home yeah. and you know, ended up on the south coast because I fell asleep on the train several times. Just stupid, stupid yeah. scenarios. Um, and the number of hours of blankness that I've lost in my life yeah. are scary. And yeah. it's that loss of control which is mm-hmm. it's just terrifying. And the state that you get into mm-hmm. when you've had, when you're totally and utterly inebriated mm-hmm. of not knowing who you are, where you are, um and the the, the, so, you know, the re- repercussions in terms of injury and um stress caused to other people if you don't make it home and, and at that that point um in terms of like you should say the word the phrase tipping point mm-hmm. is when it starts becoming a, in my opinion it starts when it starts becoming a problem in that you're starting to affect other people well,
0: and when it's debilitating you and when
1: it's starting yeah. to impact yeah. your your performance mm-hmm. as it were in mm-hmm in a broader. Well, sphere. I
0: mean, like you said, you had a very strict training regime and you obviously allowed yourself these kind of blowouts yeah. on a Saturday. But because obviously you went extraordinarily spectacularly blowed, out, blowed out. <laughs> out. Um what would that affect you like during the week, you know, if you were if you were actually, you know, training and doing all,
1: all I got stuff. not not in the early stages of my drinking yeah. career. Um, you know, as a teenager, you sort of flush it out fairly yeah, quickly. Yeah, of but in of my sort of mid to late 20s, yeah. I, I had two day hangovers yeah. every, most weekends because mm. you know, I'd be out drinking until the, the early hours of or Sunday. Or you be late.
0: geographically where you're not
1: meant to be. Oh, <laughs> that would take me the whole of Sunday to get home. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Shouldn't laugh, it's horrible, <laughs> but it is. I mean, you look it's back very inconvenient.
1: These, you look back at these scenarios, and some of them are just laughable, but because of the stupidity of them, yeah. and obviously they're not funny and necessarily. Yeah traditional sense of the word but because of the effect that alcohol has on the body mm-hmm. um, and because you don't sleep properly when you go into an alcoholic state you, 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 you don't have a proper um, sleep cycle so you don't have your REM sleep and yeah. that's when your brain is regenerating and processing mm-hmm. everything that it's gone through and it would be a sort of Tuesday when I was starting to feel like I was getting back to normal yeah. in time for rugby training on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Hence the, the, the cycle begins again. Yeah.
2: Yeah, um,
1: so absolutely it was, uh, was affecting me yeah. um, because of the, the scale of yeah. uh, the binging.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then obviously this lifestyle maintained for, I imagine, a few years. And then obviously tragedy struck.
1: Tragedy indeed struck. Oh, yeah, so I was playing rugby fr- well through university and picked it up at club levels, fairly senior club level from the age of 21 or so, through to 28 I think I was. Um, when it, it was a freak accident, I ran headfirst into someone at full pelt, missed times the tackle and ended up hitting them, um, so basically flying into their midriff, compacting my neck so badly that I cracked a vertebra in my neck. Oh. And and it's bizarre how the body reacts to these things because at the time I I had a sort of shooting pain down my arm, Mm. stinger we call it in the the trade, Um, and actually I still have a slightly numb sensation in my right thumb, nerve damage. Anyway, um, and at the time I thought, oh, that hurt. But the physio came and wobbled me and poked me and.
0: Is that, is that the uh, professional for term? The professional
1: term wobbled me and poked <laughs> me. Uh, and after about 15 minutes of putting an ice pack on my shoulder, I wanted to come back on the pitch.
2: Right.
1: I'm walking around on the side of the pitch with a broken neck thinking and thinking to myself, yeah, I want to carry on playing. Obviously, I, I didn't know the severity of the
2: yeah. the
1: injury. Um, and I vividly remember that we, we were winning the game, fortunately. We were in about fourth position in the league table, winning the game against the the leaders in the table, so I wanted to be back involved in the action. Yes. Unfortunately, the physio said no, just Let's just sit this one out. We're ahead. Yeah. Um, fifteen minutes or so left of the game. So I, I um, reluctantly agreed. I spent the rest of that evening at a big charity function, drinking mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Spent Sunday with a with with a friend. We went to the local pub. We played darts. We had a bite to eat. Um, and it was only forty-eight hours later, on the Monday night, I was lying in bed, and I, I can only, I, I can't describe the agony. My entire body was, from head to toe, was throbbing,
2: oh.
1: and I knew there was something wrong. Uh, I've had my fair share of bumps and bruises yeah, over yeah. the years, knees, shoulders, the rest of it. Um, stupid sport, but hey ho, um, great sport. Um, I knew there was something wrong, and I turned to my girlfriend at the time I said I'm taking myself to hospital and this was about three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday Tuesday and she said don't be ridiculous eventually I sort of persuaded her no I need to go walked into the local A&E department walked in being the operative word and said hi I think I've hurt myself they sort of looked at me as if to say i whatever. go and sit down gave me a couple of paracetamol four hours later um, I went in for an x-ray and a CT scan, which is a, a more detailed
2: yeah.
1: version of it. And lo and behold, I'd broken my neck. And the entire
2: the hospital went
1: into a down
2: mode. Oh, and
1: because I was rugby-playing weight, and I was about a couple of stone heavier than I am now, um, so I was about 17 stone at the time, I had six people carrying me around on the stretcher.
2: Oh
1: my gosh. I mean, I think this was the entire hospital staff right, wow, uh, wow. At, at 3 o'clock in the morning, on Tuesday. Um, and I was duly sellotaped to a hospital bed for five days, while they assessed whether I had a stable or instable fracture. Um, I mean, I, and then after five days, they said, "Right, off you go." Right. Um,
2: and I spent five
1: days. It didn't sleep for five days because they weren't giving me enough painkillers, and it, I would not wish it on my worst enemy. Yeah, it that was, sounds horrific. It was horrendous. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and given that my head hadn't sort of rolled off in the previous two days, I. Waste, you know, saved their time. Yeah. And just said, give me a load of, give me a load of painkillers. But they needed to assess this, this X-ray. And anyway, yeah. yeah, wow,
0: wow. So then, obviously, from that, you know, I imagine your lifestyle changed slightly. And then, what was your sort of down? Well, that was, I imagine, the downfall.
2: But what, so what then happened? I,
1: I need to backtrack ever so slightly to sort of lay the foundations for this. In that, I had, I had a glorious upbringing, loving parents, went to. Nice school, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Great
2: university, great friends. Um, I had a decent job that I loved
1: at the time, and it was the it was the first time. Um, this my sound a bit odd? But it was the first time in my life where I thought I failed at something. It it hit me. Yeah. It impacted me more than anything else had in my life until that, uh, up to that point. Yeah. So you know, looking back, I, I didn't. Hindsight's a wonderful thing but I didn't have the coping mechanisms mm-hmm. to be able to deal with something like that now I talk about rugby as you know my routine rugby mm-hmm. was I wasn't playing professionally but mm-hmm. it was my my passion my love my my, my thing and it, it, being part of the um, the the pack as it were my mates were centered around my my rugby playing mm-hmm. um so it's st- completely stripped me of my identity mm-hmm. um and I went from being this incredibly big, fit, macho, manly, if you mm-hmm. if you will, um, sociable individual to being basically a hermit. Very restricted in terms of the amount of exercise I could do. Obviously, couldn't go for a run and yeah, keep fit. I was only allowed to sort of walk a few hundred meters. Wow. Just I had to, I basically stayed at home for three months. Wow. Sort of not bedridden, but. Yeah. Um, very, very limited in what I was able to do for a long opposite. period of time. Yeah, it's what you in, were doing. One scale, yeah. one end of the scale to the other. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I've, I've, one amazing thing about the SAS um, program was that I met I met all people from all walks of life. Yeah. Um, and you know, drug addicts and former you know um, um, prison 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 inmates and mm-hmm. you know guys with records, etc., and, and and I sort of look at look back at myself and think, well, you know, do I compare to them? Um, and but I don't think you can mm-hmm. compare to anyone else. No you know, no. Everyone has, everyone goes through struggles. Everything's relative. A struggle mm-hmm. is a struggle. Um, and bearing in mind, like I say, I didn't have that ability to cope with the situation. hadn't had an experience like that before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just I just went into my, sort of went into a, a shell. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at home for three months wasn't able to work, so boredom basically kicked in. There's only so many episodes of Friends that you can watch on repeat. Don't get me wrong, love Friends, (laughs) but, um, and I got to the point, I I might have been two days in, three days in, I don't know, to this three-month timeline, thinking of, in the middle of the afternoon, I'm bored, I know what, I'll have a a beer. And it was totally harmless at the time. but my previous history of binge, binging mm-hmm. added into a, what, what became a daily occurrence. Yeah. Those, that, that combined to this spiral effect of a serious, serious depression and alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. And after three months, I was drinking the best, bottle, best, best part of a bottle of spirits every day. Um, and the scary thing is that I was hiding it from, from everyone else, so no one else knew, oh. the the time, parents, friends, no one knew that I'd sort of gone into this shell of regression,
2: yeah.
1: um, regression, depression, um, and I'm quite a jovial, outgoing guy and I was still sort of putting that brave face on with others, you know, people ask how you are, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's that wonderful phrase nowadays that you check in, mm-hmm. People, I was not checking in with people, I was saying, oh, I'm absolutely fine, yeah, yeah I'm fine, no, great, yeah. I wasn't. Um, and it's only in hindsight, looking back now that I've come through three, almost four, four years of sobriety and the challenges that I've, in terms of the sort of endurance challenges that I've done and the knowledge of where my body and mind are at now, that I can look back and say, yeah, I was I was depressed. I was, I had serious mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I didn't di- diagnose that at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No one else was able to because, as I say, I was very... Um, individually focused mm. about it.
0: Well, you were, you were in theory living a double life really, weren't you? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I suppose when you eventually had to kind of talk about it or someone found out about it, how did it impact everyone around you?
1: So, I mean, the, the, the day as it were, that it, it, came out, um, I can, again, it's another vivid, vivid memory where I had, a, um, I mean, it, Backtrack ever so slightly. The drinking problem caused the breakup of a very serious relationship, right. um, and even that didn't spark something in my mind. It didn't tell me you need to stop drink, stop yeah. drinking. I sort of thought, oh well, I'll quit it for a couple of months, mm-hmm. but then went 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 back to it, um, and then it, I was drinking through another throughout another relationship, and that got very heated. Um, and I can remember a, a particular argument with with that girlfriend where I stormed off. I'd had a few drinks after work with colleagues. I'd got home. I was drinking on my own. And then we had this argument. She got home. We had, we had this argument. And I stormed out of, that, after out of that with a bottle of Jack Daniels. Wow. And the fact that I was able to drink pints after work, drink on my own, and then put away an entire mm-hmm. bottle of' I've checked myself into a hotel, Gosh. just needed, I just you know, to hell with it kind of thing. Obviously, I was drunk and not thinking yeah. correctly. Yeah. But the fact that I could then put away an entire bottle of Jack Daniels mm-hmm. without too much problem just I mean it just shows how how I had developed being a horrible word for the um for the process. But um, the next morning I was not not feeling too chipper. Chipper, good yeah. word. <laughs> um, and I had this what can only I'm not particularly spiritual, but I had what can only be described as this out sort of body experience. And I was sat in this hotel um, restaurant eating this Breakfast, mm-hmm. fry up. And I sort of floated out of myself and was looking down at this guy, you know, hung over eating his breakfast on his own. And I just thought, you are just how pathetic. You are a pathetic individual. And it was that moment, that, that moment of clarity, mm-hmm. light bulb moment, call it what you will. And it, from that moment, I, I said, I can't, I said to myself, I can't do this ever again. Wow. Um, and so I then, addiction is a funny thing. Yeah. I then became addicted to being sober. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm now, I'd like to call it a healthy obsession.
2: Yeah, of I'm course. Addicted
1: to fitness, and that's part of the part of the sobriety. Yeah. But at the time, I just immersed myself in every single possible channel, medium, mm-hmm. call, call them what you will, of AA meetings, seminars, hip, hypnotherapy, um, counseling, mm-hmm. you name it. Reading about addiction, you name it. I told basically every single person that I knew, mm-hmm. so that I would have their support. Mm-hmm. And it was mind blowing. To, yes. to people's reactions were absolutely astonishing. The love that I had sort of within my friend and family circle mm-hmm. was, was was amazing. My friends have been absolutely brilliant throughout the whole process. Um, most of them gave most of my rugby mates gave me a bit of stick about it, but that's what we do. Yeah.
2: And even now,
1: they, they they you know we'll go out to, we'll, have a, we'll go out for a, a big game at game at Twickenham, and, yeah. uh, and and they'll say, oh, James, are you sure you don't want a beer? I mean, they would if I they saw me drinking a beer, they'd probably not knock, yeah. knock me out and and say, what the hell are you doing? But there's, there's still that element of banter, and yeah, of and, it, and I like
0: that. Cause it's not that you've lost your sense um, of humour, no, absolutely
1: not. I just I knew element. from that from that moment in that hotel I knew that I had to tell I had to be open about Mm -hmm. it and that's the only way that you can get through something like that yeah
0: just taking it down from it to a very simplistic level I find that you know if I tell people oh I'm going to the gym I'm, I'm going to go to the gym and then people say, Well, did you go to the gym? I oh, no, I no I didn't go to the gym. No, you know, right. Then it encourages you to be like, Well Absolutely. no, I no, like if you have like your cheerleaders, yeah, yeah, if you yeah, have yeah. your rat league, no, that's 100% then, right, and then you are more inclined
1: to, to do it or it stick
2: to it. It's yeah.
1: very much something that I employ with yeah. my fitness challenges. I'll pick a fitness challenge, I will then tell everyone <laughs> I know that I'm gonna do it. If I then don't end up doing the fitness challenge, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to look stupid, yeah. I want this an additional but motivator. If that
0: works for you, exactly, as a motivator, then that's that's perfect. So, touching now on more positive times, Great. what drove you, I think I might know the answer to this, but what drove you to then appear on SAS Who Dares Win?
1: So, that's, again, part, I need to backtrack slightly, okay. part of a part of a timeline, as it were. Shortly after quitting drinking, mm-hmm. I, I, need, I, I decided that I needed something. Mm-hmm. And if you, uh, for anyone that has been to an AA meeting or has gone through the the 12-step process, um, that the concept of the higher power is, is is very important. You sort of give yourself to this this higher power. For some people, it's God. For some people, it's family. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. I sort of I fairly quickly realised that that fitness and, and exercise was going to be obviously incredibly beneficial to my my. Physical health, mm-hmm. but was also going to positively impact my mental health. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, the AA program is a phenomenal program, it has helped millions of people
2: mm-hmm. around the world.
1: But I was sat in an AA meeting, short um, I don't know, six months or so into my um, uh, sobriety, and I just had this thought I could be running now. <laughs> uh, I was doing a lot of running at the time, I had um, selected the London Marathon as a challenge to, to go for. Um, and I now I just I now use rather than meetings, uh, which f- for different reasons I didn't, it didn't I didn't necessarily relate to as well as just the, the the concept of just going out for a run and just the ability to clear your mind, mm. use it to use that time to for, for yourself. Yeah. Um, we don't spend enough time giving ourselves time. Exactly. If, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I, I signed up for the London Marathon. I ran the London Marathon. And then my addictive personality came so came it, back to haunt me. In
0: terms of the timeline, when, yep. when was this? When was the London So I marathon quit owned? drinking
1: in March two thousand and sixteen. Okay. I ran the London Marathon in April two thousand and seventeen. Mm-hmm. So I gave myself a year yeah. right year to train, blah, blah blah blah. I'd never run rugby was very much about short distance mm-hmm. power. I'd never done long distance running. And it just seemed like But it, I
0: suppose you had that level of discipline and fitness.
1: Exactly. Which yes. which
0: is Core.
1: I did. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is fairly important. Yes. I mean, they say you can train for a marathon in three months, but I uh, gave I'll myself so. a year. I gave, <laughs>
2: supposedly. supposedly.
1: Uh, but I gave myself a year uh, and I, I transitioned yeah, from a big seventeen stone yeah. rugby player to I'm about fifteen stone now, so I lost all my sort of bulk rugby weight, which I just no, no, I don't need it. Anymore. <laughs> um, and ran the London Marathon very proudly. Did it and so, again. I, when I do these things, I give myself times and mm. goals to work towards and I did it in under four hours Jesus, was thank was, uh, was, yeah. um, was delighted um I then thought to myself right've done that marathon and I've done a marathon now what do I what do I do next and they're saying this the addictive personality came back to yeah. bite me on the bum um <laughs> and'm I'm, I'm just I'm now always looking for the next the next mm. challenge mm-hmm. and at the time I was uh, in I don't know the, Jan- what, the January before the January after the London, because I then did, did, did the Paris Marathon the year afterwards, right. and I had also signed up to an ultra marathon, for, um, it's called The Wall, uh, you run from Carlisle to Newcastle, mm-hmm. 69 miles in, in one that summer. But when, in the, at the time I was training for the Paris Marathon, it was January-February time, SAS Who Dares Wins was on television, mm-hmm. series, series 3. And I loved the previous two series. Mm-hmm. I loved, enjoyed watching the third. And then at the end of the, the end of the show, it was this it came flashed up on the screen. If mm-hmm. you're interested in taking part, send an email to <laughs> I don't know it was something like apply at Channel Four or something like that. Yeah. Uh, dot com, and um, I thought, well, tell me why not? Yeah. You know, I'll either up here, or I don't. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened for months on end. I think I ran Paris and didn't hear anything.
2: Yeah.
1: And I was coming up to the the wall, I think. I can't remember the timeline. It doesn't necessarily matter. But it was several months after I sent off an application. Mm-hmm. I had an email saying, come to one of our recruitment days. Wow. And I thought, oh, great. No, this will be a bit of an experience, <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs>
2: really fun. So
1: I went off and did a military fitness test, a bleep test, and yeah. various push-ups and sit-ups, and then um, got through that. And got called to a, uh, an interview, just a, talking to one of the production team, piece piece to camera. Um, and then again, thought, well, that's probably it. They'll, they've probably got hundreds of interesting people. But I was you know, I was able to be honest and sort of talk about my my, my, my drinking problems. And, and obviously, that story mm-hmm. um, hit home with someone because I then went to I had a psychological evaluation. I had a, a more in depth uh, physical uh, fitness test where they strapped me up to various with various nodes and took my lung capacity and my heart rate basically mm. to make sure I wouldn't fall down dead halfway up the halfway mm. at the Andes. Very
2: important.
1: Um, quite important. Um, and then again, I'm sort of, you know, am I in? Am I out? I was told I was on a short list. And two weeks, uh, in, um, first second week of September,
2: 2018,
1: mm-hmm. I got uh, an email saying. You're in. Meet us at Heathrow in two weeks' time.
0: Wow. Not terrifying
1: at all. So, uh, he sent me a pair of boots to wear in and a, and a compass to play with in the meantime. <laughs> um, and um, I'd squared it away with work. Mm-hmm. My boss kindly gave me two weeks' holiday. I took, I took a two-week holiday to go and get beasted in the Andes. Yeah. <laughs> Turned up at Heathrow. I, I didn't know it was the Andes at the time.
0: Right. Oh, so it was all so, oh, It top was secret. all top secret. Wow.
1: wow, wow. Um, and turned up at Heathrow and the production team were there and said, right, we're off to Chile. Gosh.
2: And a small part of
1: me thought, oh, I've never been to South America, this is incredible. <laughs> um, and it was, it was incredible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, people obviously watch the show, mm-hmm. they think, oh my god, that's the most brutal thing I've ever seen. And yes, it is the most brutal thing that I have, <laughs> by far the most brutal mm. and hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends how you look at it, because we were also in this incredible environment, yeah. 3,000 meters up the Andes, doing money-can't-buy stuff, like flying around in helicopters. Mm-hmm. And the, the physical and mental side of it was beyond draining. Mm-hmm. Like, it took me weeks to recover. Um, but the experience was like nothing else. Mm-hmm. And that's what, I, that's what I've taken away with me. Yeah. And I've got to admit, a hugely important part of it, is the people that I got to meet that I did it with. Uh, I've stayed in touch with them all. They're wonderful people from all walks of life, um, and they are just the most inspiring bunch of people. Um, if if I can inspire a single person by telling my story, then great, but the other people that I yeah. did this with are, are truly inspiring. The stories, the adversity that they have come through, the challenges they faced to get to where they are who are today, going through a show like that, inspirational motivational speakers and um, a number of them and the sort of social media following has grown and they're all you know, working with various different charities to make an impact on different things mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's a phenomenal cause if nothing else um, and hence the conversation that we've had with a, a few of my recruited chums yeah. why don't we do something stupid like run through Sri Lanka for five <laughs> days and raise a bit of money yeah. so what we're doing
0: yeah absolutely and um, if i may i just want to dial back a little bit and of ask course. a couple of questions regarding um mm. your time on the show please do yeah so um obviously you're under the uh strict watch of ant middleton who uh seems fairly terrifying as a viewer um and also you know you've got you've got all your fellow recruits and then you've got the other trainers um and i guess my question is Obviously, the amount of physical resilience you need is phenomenal, but the amount of mental, like the mental games they would play with you, they would like get you up in the night, make you get dressed, then kind of just make you do stuff, then go back to bed. Then it was just all a bit bizarre, and obviously that is very okay. much part of SAS training and mm. etc. But was there ever a part of you that thought this is just a game? Like I'm, you know, I don't, I don't need to do
2: this.
1: The <sighs> yes and no, in that the whole of it was a game. Mm. Obviously, it's a TV show at the yes. end of the day, um, and I should say, I mean, from a physical point of view, uh, I, don't, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I was very fit at the time, mm-hmm. and I just sort of big guy. I was able to carry heavier weights mm-hmm. than other people. I just, I got through it. Yeah. It was brutal, but I just got my head down and, and, and did it. It was actually the mental side of it that I that I struggled with. Um, because mainly of the fact that we just didn't know what was coming exactly. next. Exactly,
0: it felt like it, at points they were sort of toying with you slightly in 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 a way that was training. They
1: completely toy with yeah, you. Yeah, they completely yeah. toy with you. They'll they'll get you'll get to the top of a hill and they'll say, "Right, well done," and then two minutes later, actually, no, we're doing something else. <laughs> and you and you have this this sensation of relief, and you sort of your body and mind go from this sensation this feeling of exertion mm-hmm. to this to this feeling of sort of elated high relief yeah. and then when they tell you, you have to then go and do something else mm-hmm. that, that drop in terms of going from high to low yeah. breaks a number of Definitely. breaks a lot of people it's so hard to get yourself yeah. up again for another challenge when you're physically and mentally when you've drained you've built
0: yourself up to that point yeah i remember there's this one particular part of the um i remember lots of different there's this particular part where you're holding this very very big
2: rock over brought, your yeah, head
0: yeah, and they say right 10 seconds and even as a viewer i thought this is the longest 10 seconds, longest ever 10 witnessed. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and you're all just looking like you're about to keel over it's looking so uh, that, so I mean,
1: bewildered the, the the incredible thing about the show is that is that is it in terms of what it taught me is that and this is what they the sas are renowned for and what the hands and the guys on Billy Foxy are trying to get out of us is that ability to understand your your mind and how it relates to your body. Mm-hmm. Because supposedly, if your body wants to give out, actually you've got a hell of a lot left, a hell of a lot more left in the tank. Mm-hmm. It's your mind giving out, whereas your body is able to keep going. So it's that ability to find your your, your limit, push past that. Mm-hmm.
2: And Ollie,
1: um, Ollie talks about breakpoint. Yeah. um in his his book in the, in the company um in that you you think you've got to that point where you are you are broken and you have no more but actually if you're able to kick into that deeper darker recess of the brain mm-hmm. and and give yourself that extra little kick mm-hmm. your body is capable of incredible things there's
2: a
0: point um on the show where i remember i think it's ants screaming yeah. at someone they're in a very dangerous the, like, the water, water submersion yes thing. and everyone's kind of freaking out and then all of a sudden he's like be quiet shush and then all of a sudden there's this kind of calm yeah because uh, and there was a particular lady who did this i think she was the youngest one i think she was 19 and and uh, she just sort of she just calms herself and she she's able to then answer his questions it's and amazing. and it is yeah. that mind over matter type um, it's the thing ability which was incredible ability to
1: focus yeah. especially if you're know, going for example going into cold water yes. your, your your body goes into clampdown down yeah
2: water. absolutely if
1: you're able to breathe take a moment uh, and it's and it's it's the same in all mm-hmm. walks of life, you know, mm-hmm. we have frustrations on a yeah. daily basis
2: well, and the it. instant,
1: you know, there's that famous book, The Chimp Paradox, yeah. where your immediate reaction is to freak out or get mm-hmm. angry or mm-hmm. whatever the reaction is, yeah. upset, but if you're able to just take two seconds, mm-hmm. it, it only need be, to just consider the, the options mm-hmm. and the route that you might take to get out yeah. of that situation, how you might tackle that particular challenge, mm-hmm. Breathe deeply, whatever it might be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Your mind is able to achieve incredible things, um, and it—I mean—it it sort of relates to my own experiences in terms of you know, how I, I find it. This is a lot sort of philosophical. But I find it incredible how, to the on the one hand, how fragile the body can be yeah. with a broken leg, um, as an example, but at the other end of the spectrum, how it is capable of achieving these incredible mm-hmm. things climbing Everest or it might be running ultramarathons, or it might be running across the Atlantic, whatever it might be. Um, if you put your mind to something, if you really take the time to analyse how you, take, you know, break things down into goals, take the steps towards that, sort of break, break things down into, into steps and take those steps towards that end goal, yeah. it's, it's amazing what the body and mind are, are capable of. And that's what they... Ant and to the guys were trying to get out of us and was trying to teach us mm-hmm. how to better know ourselves and understand what we are capable mm-hmm. of achieving
0: and that i mean in in a kind of more dialed back way that's very much what we advocate here you know our um, our psychological app is built to help people with daily daily mental health habits and it's that very much like that step by step by step you know we're not pushing people into rapids but we are giving people coping mechanisms yeah, and correct. we are allowing them to one day kind of eventually reach their
1: the goals but i mean diving into a rapid melt, melt water three thousand yeah. meters like up <laughs> the Andes, is just an example it yes they could be, could be getting made redundant
2: yes it could exactly, be exactly.
1: finding out that your partner is having an affair yeah. it could be the birth of a child that you're not necessarily ready for yeah. it could be You've lost your pen. I mean, it doesn't matter what the struggle That's is. That's a
0: very stressful situation.
1: It, it is. Um, I've run out of post-it notes. It doesn't matter what the yeah. struggle is. We all have them. And this is, again, what I thought when I compared myself to other people. You yeah. just can't do that. You cannot think his problems are, his or her problems are worse or, or lesser than mine. Exactly. You. Everyone has their own individual problems and everyone reacts differently to them. I had what most people would see as perfect upbringing. Mm-hmm loving parents a great school grader and I still struggled with mental health problems Um, Prince Harry has Mm -hmm. openly talked about mental health problems all of these famous people, celebrity lifestyle it affects everyone 87% of people you should never no individual person should feel bad Mm -hmm. about having mental health problems because it's such a common occurrence
0: and that's sort of uh, that's very much our mantra here at life happens is that you know when life happens you don't you have to you have to deal with
1: it yeah, and you have absolutely. to learn how to deal with it and, and that, that can there's take a, us. There's long a wonderful short. analogy actually. That's just the Maori people have a way of saying hello. It's tenakoi,
2: mm. and it
1: means greetings. Um, but there is a literal translation of it is more there you are mm. and the sort of understanding of it is that there where you are there, mm-hmm. you've gone through a process to get there. Yeah. You have Gone through challenges, you have struggled, you have failed, but actually being here mm-hmm. is a success. And you, you and failed. I sitting you, here talking yeah. is a success.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Crossing the road is a success, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, that, and that is very much something that I'm passionate about is, is looking at the in, it's looking at the sort of smaller mm-hmm. successes and how we get through a day. Mm-hmm. I was once sat in an, sat, sat in an AA meeting, and um, this guy guy. To me, was talking about the difference between a good day and a great
2: day. Mm-hmm.
1: A good day is where you you, you get up, you, you go to work, yeah. you get some good news. You you know you found out you find out that your your wife is is pregnant, for example, or that your your son has passed his GCSEs. So that's you go through the day. That's a good day. Yeah. A great day is where you go you get up, you feel terrible you go to work you get some bad news mm-hmm. someone in the family has been diagnosed with cancer or yeah. a relative has passed away or um you're being made redundant and you go through that day without having a drink as a resorting mechanism as a coping mechanism that is a great day mm-hmm. and the, that, that perspective really hit home with me the difference between good great yeah. and and how we look at things and how we look Failure and success. Okay.
0: Well, it's like I always love it, it's such a simple phrase, but I just like the, the little wins, you know. So you've got to celebrate the little yeah, wins for so then the big wins to be big. Indeed. Um, so now I'm going to let you talk about the Ultra X Sri Lanka. So there's
1: a company yep. called Ultra X which does a series of these. Challenges around the world. Well, they sound very reasonable um, to me. Oh, perfectly Six reasonable. Six marathons for, in five for, days. For fine. A,
0: You're going to be a, fine.
1: Crazy. <laughs> but yeah. Um, they, we, we've been, we've been speaking with the, uh, with, with, with the company for uh, a, a couple of months, and the opportunity to do their Sri Lanka um, event came, came up. And uh, Michael, one of the other recruits on the, from the show, got so uh, it was in touch with them. He got in touch with a, with a few of us and said, "What do we
2: think, What mm-hmm. is
1: Excuse me, and yes, it's two hundred and fifty kilometres in six days. Gosh. Sorry, two hundred and fifty kilometres in five days. So that's six marathons in five days, <laughs> and uh, it'll be about thirty degrees and ninety-five percent humidity. So um, it'll be. You it'll be might a,
0: entirely melt.
1: We might. Uh, it'll be a tough old, tough old challenge. <laughs> but the, the point is, the, the point is demonstrating mm-hmm. the struggles that we go through,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we. We thought about it and, and, and the six of us involved have, have all gone through some mental health related issue mm-hmm. or other and it just it struck us that doing something for mental health, particularly focused on men's, yeah. uh, men's mental health and the, the stigma surrounding talking about issues mm-hmm. is a very, very prominent issue mm-hmm. and, and something that we can hopefully address. And, so, yeah, that, <laughs> we're, we're raising money for the Mental, Mental Health Foundation. Uh, it's at the end of March. Great. Um, the, the team is um, we're called Great Minds. Uh, it is a Just Giving, just giving page um, for us. Perfect. Um, Ultra X uh, is the event, yeah. Great.
0: And um, just to sort of wade in on, on what you t- we were talking about earlier about sort of male the toxic side of masculinity, phrases such as man up, grab grow a pair. Yeah. Those kind of very much Don't be a girl. Yeah, yeah. don't be a girl. And um, you know, but both, you know, it's it's, it's insulting, but it shouldn't be insulting. But, you know, it shouldn't be insulting to be called a girl, but no, also, you not. know, why 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 should men have to repress how they feel? I remember I watched an excellent um QA with uh, Robert Webb a little while yeah. back, and he, he wrote a book called How Not to Be A, a Boy, and it was all about his kind. Very bizarre upbringing that he he always questioned why he couldn't feel the way he felt and why he had to repress every sort of feeling and just be manly in inverted commas. And you know, I I think this very much has become a huge topic of late, which is great, but why of late? It just doesn't seem right. We should have always been speaking about
2: this. We should,
1: we've we've come late to it, and and we talk about those statistics again 2018 five thousand 5,000 men took took their lives. Um, And it's a very Mm-hmm. Toxicity again. It is a toxic. Um, those t- phases are toxic mm-hmm. um, because they they champion a culture of not yeah. being open and honest, yeah. and being vulnerable, and allowing people in. It is a, a huge negative driver mm-hmm. um, for all the all the wrong reasons.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What's what's the training like? This, this I run a lot. Yes.
1: Are you going to run Full out of time? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I I, I say I, I did. I've done various marathons. Mm. Um, I did a, an ultra marathon a couple of years ago. I have a lifetime goal to run a marathon on every continent.
2: Wow! So I've
1: done Europe, Asia, North America. I'll see you nearly there. Uh, I did. I, ran, I was in San Francisco in January mm-hmm. and ran a marathon while I was there. Um, not, not an official, not an official <laughs> one. I just set off one day, so yeah, I'm completely and <laughs> utterly wow. nuts. Um, but yeah, run, running, obviously,
2: yeah.
1: obviously, running is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, I do some, uh, leg um, strength and conditioning mm-hmm. work in the gym as well. Um, not heavy weights; it's more sort of focused around lower, lower, lower weight, higher rep, um, toning of muscle rather mm-hmm. than building of muscle. I don't need to be big rugby playing weight. Um, and running on consecutive days is is going to be the killer. Because yes, yes. a lot of people go for a run and they think, well, oh, I'll have tomorrow a break, off. Yeah. Whereas we'll be running five consecutive days, uh, between 35 and 65 kilometers a yeah. day.
2: Wow. Um, so last
1: night I, um, I ran 16 kilometers, about 10 miles. And then I got up this morning and did six or seven miles. So do you sleep? ever? Um, I, I sleep. Badly, bizarrely. I'm, I'm not a good sleeper. Yeah. I never have been. And it's something that that's I'm trying to. You're running to, all the time. Well, I, I'm hoping that by running I tired myself <laughs> yeah, that's out. It, that's uh, it, for it, yeah. some reason, I'm, I've cut, cut out caffeine recently. Right. I'm reading a fascinating book on, on, on sleep patterns. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, hence, it's a very interesting learning mm-hmm. of how alcohol has an effect on your your REM sleep, mm-hmm. which is when the, the brain is processing mm-hmm. reams of information.
0: Well we, we wish you the best of luck with it. Um, so it's end of March.
1: We set or we fly from Heathrow on the twenty first of March. I okay. think run yeah. from the twenty 24th, twenty third through to the twenty seventh. Wow.
0: And are you all at similar levels?
1: Yes. So yeah. you'll I mean, all be doing all, it together. We're all doing right. it I mean we won't we might sort of
2: yeah you know, space
1: out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It might take someone half an hour longer than someone yeah, else. It's not a, but you're a similar we're, level. We're not yeah. doing it for to win the yeah. win the thing, there yeah. will be ultra athletes there who mm-hmm. will do it probably half as quickly as we do it. If uh, on one day we have to run, I think sixty-five kilometers on either wow. the third or fourth day, and if it takes me eight, ten hours to do that, so be it. It yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's just a case of getting over the finish line wow. and proving, yeah, proving that we can do it. We're, yeah, we're all fairly, fairly
0: yeah, wow. I have so much admiration for you. Thank and you. I haven't done
2: it yet.
1: So.
0: Well, yeah, but you've done a lot towards <laughs> it, and it sounds like you're going to smash it. So um, thank, you thank you so much, and best of luck from all of us. And um, please it. let us know how it I goes.
2: We'll do. We'll keep in touch. All right.
0: Great. Thank you so much no, for coming my, in.
2: My pleasure. <laughs>